Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to GQ, a wrestling podcast. This episode is a little different. It is a double or nothing recap from AEW on May 28th, 2023. I have a guest host with me this episode going over all things that happened on that particular pay-per-view. So sit back, relax, and have a good listen to GQ, a wrestling podcast. Welcome to GQ Wrestling Podcast. Uh, It's been a very weird week in wrestling. I am going to be recovering from what I just watched on Double or Nothing this past Sunday night. Um, Garrett is not on with me right now. He'll be recovering and watching uh, Night of Champions and also the other programming this week. I have a guest to the guest hosts. Uh, my sister, her name is Megan Quarry. She's on T and Twits podcast. Thank you for joining me. I know we were talking about it last night. We were kind of live uh, texting during the whole entire night. So we're going to go one by one on each individual match. And you'll have to tell me what you thought, what I thought, and we go from there. You okay with that? Sounds good to me. Thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. So they kicked off the night with a 21-man bat- blackjack battle royale for the international championship. There was a lot of people in it, tons of people in it. And the one thing that was disappointing to me, in my opinion, was that they did not have any surprise entrance. It was all of the backstage guys that don't normally get any, <clears throat> I don't know, any time, any TV time, and they got a little bit of extra time to be on television, especially for pay-per-view. But I was kind of surprised they didn't have any of the Aussie Open guys or any of the New Japan talent that's going to be coming around for uh, Forbidden Door coming up. So I was kind of shocked about that. What did you think of the whole entire match kicking off uh, double or nothing? Um, it was, you know, very surprising because normally for double or nothing, they have the the ladder match, the casino ladder match. Right. So having it start out with a battle royal was kind of, I'm not going to say disappointing, but it was something that we're not used to seeing at Double or Nothing. Um, it, I made the comment to you last night. It was almost a meeting of the Lucha Masks because we had many of the competitors were our Luchadors. And it was funny seeing them all kind of team up at one point. Well, yeah, that's right. You had Penta El Zero Miedo, you had Ray Phoenix, you had Bandido, you had Commander. Um, pretty sure that was all of them that were in there, but still, you mm-hmm. had a lot of meet- meeting of the masks. Um, I did like at one point that Trent Beretta saved Orange Cassidy from getting eliminated. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a kind of a cute storyline that they've been doing with best friends. And then in a twist of fate, Orange Cassidy uh, inadvertently helped Chuck Taylor get tossed out of the ring. Right, which once again, I think that'll still play into coming up soon with maybe having a different um, team of people together. But then also mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy has a lack lair, lackluster character who probably doesn't give a rip or doesn't care about anything because that is what Orange Cassidy does. And it really annoys the piss out of a lot of people. I like that thing. I like how they... Uh, Progressed the storyline with Jay White and Ricky Starks and Juice Robinson. That was kind of cool to see. Yeah, uh, I did. I did. I did want to mention that because that did get brought up outside of that match later on in the night after FTR's match. They showed the little vignette where 
um, Juice and Jay kind of attacked Ricky backstage. So I'm right. wondering how the FTR is going to play into that. It'll be up. more trio stuff. It'll kind of just be pushing along FTR doing their thing, but we'll go on to that for next one. Then you also have who else had their things? They had uh, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. Keith Lee doing their thing that they haven't been able to do in quite some time. You have Ray Phoenix and Penta doing. It, it don't wrong. I like I like battle royales. I also don't like battle royales because it's not like like how WWE does a Royal Rumble where there's an entrant coming in every like thirty seconds. It's mm-hmm. just a cluster of craziness. And don't get me wrong, it was fine. It was a good match. Do I think that Orange Cassidy should have had a the title taken off of him? Hundred percent. Because mm-hmm. I don't think he deserves to have the title anymore. He's had it for a long time. And he's also been, you know, doing championship runs, and that's fine too. Like he is a fighting champion. He's always the first match of every single dynamite every week. But the shtick is old. It needed to be a new face. And I thought they were gonna give it to somebody else, but evidently that's not what Tony wants. They want to keep it on Orange Cassidy. What do you think? I think I think you made you hit the nail on the head at the very beginning of this where it's this match was really to show all of the backstage guys that don't necessarily have running storylines every week, but they're probably going to start showing up at collision when right. collision starts. So we may end up seeing maybe these guys start creating storylines once we get collision started. Whereas of right now, it's just, hey, we got all these people in the back. They're here. We need to do something with them. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, collision coming up on June 17th on Saturday. It's going to be a brand split. They're probably going to have to do like a draft style thing or they're just going to not do anything about it and go on from there. Um, mm-hmm. Then you go into the unsanctioned match with Adam Cole and Chris Jericho with the special guest enforcer Sabu. That match was horrible. That match was was absolutely horrible. And the way that it ended was absolutely horrible. I was, I don't, it was, they had a lot of hype, you know, mm-hmm. I thought possibly with Robert Strong, maybe we have a reuniting with Kyle Riley and Bobby Fish and get a little bit of the Undisputed Era again from NXT, but then mm-hmm. you didn't see any of that. And then maybe I thought, oh, Sabu's going to do some stuff. Now Sabu is old and he hasn't been wrestling for a while. And he did some, something, he did something. I wouldn't say it was great, but he did something. He threw a chair, then he hit another chair. And then what looked like he was trying to do a top rope move kind of made me think of like an old man on top of a set of stairs where he thinks he can go down the stairs normally, but then you just see him kind of fall down and make sounds and Sabu tried something and he landed the move. Was it glorious? No. No, he, he he missed the top rope. And what it reminded me of was if you watch the, the buy-in, uh, Jeff Hardy had rather the same moment uh, when he was going for Swanton and then missed the, his footing entirely and just fell back to the mat you know, trying to climb up to the top rope. I didn't even mention buy-in because there's a reason why I didn't mention the buy-in because to pay respects to what the Hardys were, there's no reason to go back and watch the buy-in. I took a nap during the buy-in. <laughs> I fell asleep and I went back and I watched it and I just went, Oh my God. Oh, Jeff, it's time. It's time for old Yenner to go to the pasture. 
<laughs> shot. It was bad. It was horrible. Anyways, we go back to Adam Cole and Chris Jericho. It mm -hmm. could have been great. It, it had everything set up for it to be a match where it could have been the greatest of all time in Chris Jericho versus the young Adam Cole and doing some matches. But then there was a lot of bad cues, messed up misses. You had JAS out there at one point, and that was horrible. You had chase them away. He's geriatric. There's, he's not chasing away anything except for a bottle of Ensure. Um, <laughs> then you have, have Britt Baker coming out, which cool. Adam Cole, Britt Baker. Okay, but there has not been any storyline with Jericho and Soraya. And Soraya came out because there's a storyline with Britt Baker. That confused me because she had a, you know, they had a fight a couple weeks ago that it was, you know, on a J and she wasn't out there and then they ran away and then it got weird again and adam was hitting chris over the head and then he got tied together with the the chains around the wrist and it kind of looked like a uh a texas bull strap match and it then it then it was adam hitting his head on the ground and then it was over yeah because Chris Jericho apparently got KO'd and was just out for the count and the ref had to stop the match, which was, in my opinion, honestly, it could have gone on a little bit more. It had, this match had such, like you said, such a good potential to be, you know, a five-star match and it just fell flat and there's so flat many things that... Resuscitation. It needed CPR. <laughs> it needed paddles. 250cc stat of please lord let us not die anymore. <laughs> I, was so I was so unimpressed with that quality of a match that could have been so much better mm -hmm. and it wasn't. It, and then it, yeah. it was just bad. It was bad. Yeah. Then, then you go into what I thought could have been another great match. You had AEW Tag Team Champions, FTR versus Jeff Jarrett. Mark Briscoe as the special guest referee. Once again, on paper. Yes. On paper, this should have been a fantastic match. Well, I said last week that, um, that Jay Lethal should have come out as black machismo and he should have done the character because I think that would have been a win and they would have won the titles. And then mm -hmm. if they didn't, then it would have been FTR. I said it was going to be a lot of buffoonery because of Mark being the special guest referee and then Jeff Jarrett being Jeff Jarrett. Right. But my God, it was. It was, was the, the amount the first three matches of the night. It hurt me. The amount of buffoonery in that match it was just painful because not only did you have, you know, just the stuff between Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal and FTR in the ring, and you also have to add in Karen Jarrett, who's just being an absolute yeah. gem of a person on the outside. Um, and then you have the rest of, of Jeff Jarrett's team on the outside of the ring, and I will admit, Mark Briscoe being the special guest referee, he did a good job with, you know, 
throwing people out when they needed to and and calling it pretty much down the middle. But this whole storyline to me felt like a bad custody battle and who gets custody of Mark Briscoe. That's all that this felt like to me. This felt like TNA 2005. Mm -hmm. This felt like a, a bunch of guys that were in their prime 20 years ago and they wanted to be able to wrestle again and it was like, hey guys, let's all get together and have fun. And it was horrible. And it, it was gimmicky. And the, the chair shots were gimmicky. And the lick of a life from Mark Briscoe to the face and it brought me tears of joy because he fell to the floor so really, really hard. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, Aubrey got the raw end of a, of a guitar. Yes, she did. Raw end of a guitar. Mm. And yeah, it, it was just, I was so disappointed with those but, three but- matches. But you know what? Maybe, maybe that's what Tony Khan decided that he wanted this match to be. Maybe he decided that he just wanted this match to be super gimmicky for all of the, you know, OG wrestling fans that have been watching these people coming up from, you know, TNA and Impact and and finally, you know, getting to be in AEW. And maybe he just wanted a nostalgia match because that's that's essentially what this ended up being is just a nostalgia match. Don't get me wrong. I like nostalgia, but nostalgia also belongs in the past. And I like Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal hasn't got enough credit in his career. Now, Jeff Jarrett, most people don't like him. I think he's funny, but also he's old and he's a Mm two-time Hall of Famer in multiple um, promotions, all wrestling. And FTR is a great tag team that has their accolades but once again, on paper, this match should have been one of the better ones on the card because of the animosity that FTR shows. And it was just, it looked like a bunch of friends hanging out together. And that hurt my soul. Yeah. Then you have your favorite match, probably on my, in my opinion, was the match of the night. And which is hard to say because it involves Christian Cage because <laughs> Christian Cage is old. And don't get me wrong, wearing a dickie around your neck might seem cool if you're wearing a smoking jacket, but not at there, there was no reason for that man to be wearing a sleeveless turtleneck during this entire match. My neck would have been scratchy and itchy. And it, yeah, like an episode of The Simpsons where I want to be able to wear an itchy and scratchy sweater. <laughs> and then you had Wardlow, who... And he looks like he don't get me wrong. He's obviously big. He looks unhealthy right now because he looks like he's gained several hundred pounds lately. And I was fearful for a ladder match because normally you don't see big men on ladders. And the last time I saw a big man on a ladder was Kane and big show in WWE. And they had to bring in the reinforced double strength ladder. I remember that one. And I was fearful for a ladder match for, Wardlow size, not for Christian size, but Christian's a geriatric, so I was waiting for his hips to break too. And <laughs> the match itself was flawless. There was no bad techniques. There was no missed moves. I was scared at one point when uh, Wardlow was on the top rope and wanted to do a swanton onto the onto a ladder where Christian was laying and Christian moved, and I thought his neck was going to break. I mean, what we also have to consider with this match is it looked flawless because you have one of the, I, I, I want to say one of the pioneers of this type of match 
working it. So he probably was with Wardlow probably for the last, I would say two or three weeks planning out, okay, these are the spots that we want to do, making sure that they can do them without someone getting injured or something breaking severely or stuff like that. So having Christian in there, and I, I made this comment last night that, um, what we're seeing is really just Christian trying to put Wardlow over even as a, as a knock to his career. Cause it, it feels like the older wrestlers like Chris Christian cage and Jericho, they're in the spot in their career right now where they're just wanting to kind of push the other guys forward in their careers. Cause they know where they're at in their careers. Right. I think, I think they, you have the right point is that, and even Garrett would tell you that if, um, well, well, let me record later on the podcast is that, yeah, when you get to a certain age, you know, you're either passing on the legacy or you put or holding the brand behind. And some people would say there are a lot of wrestlers out there that you want to feel like you're still in your prime. Like when Ric Mm -hmm. Flair wanted to do his last match again and he looked horrible and it was bad and the brand behind, you don't want that. So, yeah, I agree. Christian did a good job at making Warlord look great. You know, highlighting um, probably the most daring thing that Warlord's ever done in his career, doing a swanton off a 30-foot ladder and nailing it to perfection against Luchasaurus. And Luchasaurus, who is a pretty good professional himself, holding it down and making sure he lined up perfectly. No, I bet nobody Mm -hmm. else saw it, but he definitely moved to make sure he was going to make sure that landing was proper. Right. He did good. He Luchasaurus didn't interfere as much as I thought he was going to Ward and Arn Anderson showing up and helping, you know, his protege coming in and doing that. The grossest thing in the match was Arn Anderson biting uh, Luchasaurus's finger. Yeah, that, that was, it was a bad blood spot in my, in my opinion, because if, if like, if you're someone like me, I'm looking at a lot of the smaller details on the wrestlers and before Arn puts Luchasaurus's finger in his mouth. You can see where the tape is at on Lucha's thumb. <laughs> and all of a sudden, magically, when the thumb comes out of Arn's mouth, the tape is gone. That was so gross. Yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. But other than that, you know, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall backstage watching Jeff Hardy react to uh Wardlow's Swanton just to see like how he would have rated that swan time. Cause for us watching it, that was beautiful. It looked great. Well, for a man who's probably, I don't know, he's probably 275 right now. He's, mm-hmm. I don't know how tall he is exactly. I think he's like six, three, but still pretty tall and doing a move like that. And it wasn't from like the other side of the ladder. He was standing on top of the ladder and looking down going, I can do this. And he didn't over jump. He perfectly landed it. I was proud of it. Uh, the funniest part of that match was Wardlow trying to jump on another ladder and then it go boom, big boom, hard boom. <laughs> and then him saying, I can still climb this ladder. And he tries to walk out the third rung and it completely decimates. And the referee says, what are you doing? Stop doing that. That's stupid. Why are we, why are we not the ladder? And then Wardlow gets, I'm angry. And throws the, the ladder as far as he could. And it made him mad. Yeah. So and it, it, overall, you're you and still, you know, mm-hmm. being your your TNT champion. I thought it was probably yeah. I would say top three of the night 
of him being in a championship spot and also not losing his title and still yeah. keeping the crowd entertained. I hope definitely. I definitely agree. Is what definitely one of the top three matches of the, of the pay per view. Well, let's see. There the other matches that they had that night. You had that was your that was like your meat of the sandwich. Then you have your condiments coming up right here. Uh, <laughs> you had you had your TBS championship match with Taya Valkyrie and Jade Cargill. <sighs> Jade Cargill had her her undefeated streak, uh, which was fifty nine in. Mm-hmm. And going into the match, Taya Valkyrie coming out with what looked like weird, creepy, exotic dancers behind her, which I couldn't, I didn't understand that, didn't get it. I get probably because it's Vegas and you have like the creepiness of the stuff behind her. I don't know. I just got distracted. Um, I mean, you you and I both know Vegas just from our our trips as kids. We know that 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 that's pretty much normal to see just walking down the Vegas strip at night. You're not, <laughs> you're not wrong. It's weird. Although I will say as much as I don't prefer Jade Cargill, her entrance a little weird. Her entrance was actually kind of entertaining to watch. I liked it because it paid I paid homage to her uh, sorority back in mm-hmm. college and having the all the pretty girls walk like this girl I have and sing it. Now, obviously, if you're not a like, fan of current music, which that's me, um, you would not know that song. Now, I only re- only reason I know that song is that it got TikTok? No, that too. TikTok too. TikTok's going to ruin the world. I know. Yeah. Um, no, I heard it this past week at work. And oh, really? Yeah, my boss. Well, not you, my boss. My, my general manager played it for something that I did this weekend and she's the, she wanted to play all the pretty girls. So I knew the song. That's the only reason why I knew the song. So having her live kind of was cool. Having sorority there was kind of cool too. Um, it was a really bad match because I feel like sometimes women's wrestling is just too overly done mm-hmm. and they overly did it, but because Jade can't wrestle, that's why they did it. Yeah, it this this match, much like you know the the tag team match, felt like a custody battle for one specific move that both these wrestlers do, and it's whoever wins this match now gets to call that their specific move, and the other one can't really use it without getting brought up by the other wrestler. And if you're not familiar with the move, it's called the Road to Valhalla, um, kind of like an inverted uh, widow's peak that Victoria used to do back in the day. Yeah, it was it was something. I don't know. Can, can I make a comment about um, the gear for one of the wrestlers for this comments, match? Comments are never allowed. <laughs> so this will harken back to early 2000s WWE. Taya's boots very much gave me Melina vibes. Oh, the, the boots with the fur. Yep. Because she, Taya Valkyrie had on, you know, a full like full wrestling gear, like full singlet, I guess. Um, but then just these black fluffy boots. And all I could think of was just Melina. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be thinking about that during this match. I want to be able to focus. Fair. But also Taya, you know, she wears a full body suit. And then you have Jade who doesn't wear a full body suit and mm-hmm. is distracting to other people. 
Now, I wouldn't say that's me, but other people get very, very distracted by her. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't get me wrong. It was a weird match. Jade ends up winning the match with her own move and beating Taya Valkyrie, which then uh, brings in Smart Max Sterling up to the into the ring and says uh, we've beaten the whole roster there's nobody else we can beat right now nobody's back there and then obviously you know tony's is full of surprises but we've been waiting for one person to enter back into aew for it seems like for you hear music you're not familiar with and then you see chris statlander finally come back into women's wrestling and then it's great to see her back. She looks healthy. She looks happy. She doesn't look like the green Martian that she was before. She mm-hmm. actually looks like an actual wrestler. And then, of all things, I've it them restarting the match. Jade restarting the match and letting it happen and almost losing again. Statlander possibly could lose the match and then ends up hitting one of her moves. And we have a new TBS champion for the first time. Praise the Lord. I am so happy. One, that Chris is back. I started screaming when Chris when Chris's music hit. Um, so happy that she's back. Like you said, she does look healthy and happy. Like she's finally fully reinvigorated to come back. But two, I am so happy that she took the title off of Jade so that we can actually get some, you know, some decent women's matches for that title and it just not be a complete washout because Jade just keeping the title on her all the time is hearkening back to Charlotte and keeping the title on her all all the time. It just gets old (laughs) and it makes you not want to watch women's wrestling. It's like women's wrestling should have an equal footing with with men's wrestling. But if you're going to keep the title on the same person all the time, it's going to get boring. Well, and you'll hear from Garrett because that's what he always says that with with wrestling titles, you have to have either a face or a heel holding these titles down. And if you have one that changes, you know another one will change too. So tonight with uh, Jade losing as she is a heel to the face of Chris Statlander, you can only imagine with the uh, win- with the heel. Tony Storm facing the face of Jamie Hayter. Uh, but we will take a short break uh, because there's more to go in depth on with Double or Nothing. So we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back. So stay close, go to the bathroom, do whatever you got to do, stretch your legs, please take your time. But we'll be right back. And we're back with my special guest uh my sister megan she and i uh were texting through the whole entire double or nothing just kind of getting a kind of a twitterless play-by-play of what was going on so i'm fairly certain if anyone saw our text message chain during double or nothing they would have a lot of questions <laughs> want to be fair half the stuff was very <laughs> gross you mainly. <laughs> hey you had some moments in there too so don't even i'm a i'm i'm a songbird i'm like I'm like white. I'm like the purely beautiful white snow. He lies. He lies. So does she. So uh, we only um, we have 
We had the AEW Trios Championship defense for the House of Black, which they originally were not on the card. They were left off. No one really? seemed to remember this, but when they were doing everything up this past week, they had a Trios Championship on Wednesday. I do, I do remember them having the the another chi- a championship defense on Wednesday. I didn't realize that they weren't on the card. They were not originally on the card. Hmm. They were the only title left off. So then when they said that they had a open challenge, I went, who on earth are they going to pull together to do another trios match? And then they dusted off a group who was a former tag team champions in AEW, the acclaimed. And I was giddy. I love the acclaimed because the acclaim have arrived and you always need to be scissored by daddy ass. Billy Gunn and I love it because we haven't seen them in it's been a, it's probably been a month haven't seen yeah. them on television I saw them live when they had their titles in Kansas City a couple months ago and getting to see them do their thing but we haven't seen them on screen since they dropped the titles to the guns and then the guns losing them to FTR so it was kind of nice to see the acclaimed and Billy Gunn do their thing. And also laughing at the fact that, you know, they always have their freestyle raps and they took a little bit of a slam to Dami and Mommy oh. WWE. Because if you don't know the uh, Buddy Murphy is together with Rhea Ripley, who is in WWE, who is the current, when and little Dom Dom, who's a little par- uh, puppet over in WWE, so it's kind of funny to see that, and then him kind of wincing with that smile because he knew he got a good one in there. <laughs> the the gasp, the audible gasp that I let out when Max Caster let that line rip. I'm like, oh, mm, let's let's not bring in significant others into this fight because that's that's hitting a little low, but it made me laugh. But I that's also kidding. the reaction that he wants. So. Yeah, well, he always looks for the shock at all. I am not going mm-hmm. to repeat what he said. If you want, if you want to figure out what he said, go look up YouTube videos of it. I'm sure there's plenty out there. Oh yeah, somewhere, anyway. Yeah, but I will. Uh, <laughs> I'm not repeating what he said. But th- this match was a meeting of the. Does this man need pants? Oh, because you know, on this episode all episodes of GQ wrestling podcast. We always have to know of who needs pants. And that match had three gentlemen who needed pants. Very much needed pants. Billy Gunn. You may have been good back in the day. You need pants. Mm -hmm. Anthony, Anthony Bowden very much needs some trousers. You know, the thing is, though, those pantaloons, they weren't as uh, as uh, snug as they've been recently. So, Mm-mm. yes, that man does need pants. And f- always and forever, I will be a big proponent of this man needing pants. Brody King needs pants. He, he does need some pants. However, I will say that House of Black's ring gear for Double or Nothing was on point. They changed it up because normally Malachi just has black, like, shorts on and buddy 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 matthews my gear is usually just all black as well 
but the white was nicely contrasted with their entire ring gear. I really liked it. That was a good design choice. I won't even lie. Didn't notice it. <laughs> like I said, I noticed I noticed the little things about the ring gear. <laughs> well, I yeah, I didn't. I, I noticed it was different, but I didn't notice all the way. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a good match. It was probably one of my favorites because I love House of Black. I love the Acclaimed. I think they meshed really well together. I saw no big flaws there was no there was no bad moves everybody knew my favorite thing is when malachi dropped into his little cross-legged move into the center of the ring and anthony bowen did the exact same thing i thought that was awesome i thought billy gunn and brody king hilarious giant big man battle yeah the, their their spot on the outside of the ring with billy just sitting down in the chair and and brody just kind of cross-bodying him into the barricade was Oh, that makes me hurt. But it was it was a good spot. Very that makes well done. Hurt. That's a giant man flying at me. Yes. <laughs> Very if true. Giant man flying at me. I'd I'd pee a little with a little bit of food <laughs> flying out. I Just would, a little bit of a streak coming out. Well, it's not even a full streak. It'd be like like straight up like I need new pants. Unlike Brody <laughs> King who doesn't wear them. It was a good match. Um everybody kind of knew that it, they're not going to give up the trios titles for a while. I think it's no. going to be on house of black for a little bit of time. So I'm very happy mm -hmm. for them. Uh, so good match house of black retains keeps their titles. We go on to the AEW women's world championship match with Jamie Hader and Tony storm, which we, I, we said this last week on the podcast, Garrett and I, that we knew there was going to be some tomfoolery, because you obviously have the, you know, the, the, the what is it? The outcasts. Yes. The outcasts. Um, like I always, and he'll correct me. I always say the outsiders because, well, that's how I always remember it, but technically that's not. I mean, it, it could have easily been the outsiders, but I think the outsiders is also a book. So no, that's probably why they went for the outcasts. Well, the outsiders also is the original faction, the new world order, the outsiders with, you know the the classics now ah, rest, in peace. rest in peace um mm. but yeah yeah the outcast which you knew they were going to interfere and then you have Britt baker and uh hikaru shida um mm -hmm. doing their thing too um going into this match everybody knew jamie haters hurt she's been hurt she hasn't been uh she hasn't been a fighting champion for a while she's not been wrestling She's kind of been here and there to show up for appearances and do her thing. But we kind of knew that, you know, the outcasts are kind of their, their momentum is rolling. The heel thing is killing it for them. And Soraya's not ready for a title. And I don't think anybody wants Ruby as a champion. So Tony getting her title back and not having an interim thing uh, is good for the brand. And it's going to be good because I have a feeling they're going to do exactly what they did Back in WCW, I think they're going to tag the title. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to make their own little faction. Obviously, it's called the Outcast, but I think they're going to tag the title and make a little thing for that. It was good. It was it was a match. I I will agree with you that you know right now Soraya is not not in a place where she is ready for the title to go on her. With Ruby, I don't think it's necessarily that people don't want it on her. She's not strong enough as a singles competitor. For her to take the title. Tony, however, was the good choice. She is strong enough to take the title on her own as she has already had it in the past. Mm -hmm. um, but it's going to be interesting going forward to see how they progress the title. If um, it's going to be the continuing of, you know, Soraya and Ruby 
interfering with title defenses or how they're going to play that because I I think now that Jamie is going to get some well-deserved rest and uh, some recouping from her injuries, I don't think we're going to see much of Hikaru right now, but with Britt, we'll obviously still see her because of the storyline with Britt and Adam and Chris and Soraya. I think uh, it's been an, enough time that Britt is healed. I think Britt will eventually get the title back. I think mm-hmm. she probably will end up having a title match at um, All Out in Wembley Stadium. Very possible. I just don't know if I don't see her getting the title back on her within this year. I think next year is definitely a possibility, but I don't see it within this year. I agree to disagree. We also go into what I thought should have been the, I don't know, it should have been the main event because it's kind of for the biggest title in the company. But I also said last night that the other match that ended up being the main event was going to be stupid long and they needed to have enough time to do whatever they want to do with that one. So this is the match for the four, the four pillars of the company with Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, and Maxwell Jacob Friedman for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. And it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Every single thing. Now, go ahead, speak your truth about your favorite Darby Allen gear get up because I'm going to get it out of the way quickly. Um, I, I am a very big Darby Allen fan. I will start, start that out right now. Um, I loved the vignette of him with the Elvis impersonator. I loved him coming out in the custom Elvis jumpsuit with half of it being a skeleton. Um, I loved the way that it looked and it also played into the gimmick of them being in Vegas. It was very much, very, uh, gimmicky to me but i loved it and now turn off your fangirl and come back <laughs> thank you i'm back i'm back yeah uh-huh, sure uh then you had jungle boy which side note my parents were just in vegas this past weekend not for double or nothing but for my mother's birthday and they happened to see uh a curly haired individual get out of a cab in front of them and my dad sends me a text and goes, I believe I just saw a wrestler get out of a cab. I don't know if it was a wrestler for the thing that you're wanting this weekend. I said, let me send you a picture. And I sent him a picture of the guy. And he goes, yep, that was the guy. So my parents saw Jungle Boy this weekend getting out of a cab. Random. Yeah, getting getting that text message of, uh, we just saw Jack Perry walk into the arena and going, um, that did not occur to me that they're both, you know, in the same city until like earlier that day. So getting that text message was like, aw, one of these days I'll be able to go to one of these pay-per-views. That'd be nice. I I would love to, but there's just no way. One of these days we'll get there. (laughs) uh, Then Sammy Guevara coming out with his uh, beautiful wife and making their amazing announcement of having a baby that was kind of cool even though i said before they came out i said wow she looks like she's pregnant i have have text message proof before it even happened i'll even look at the receipts 
that I said it before they announced. I'm like, she. Yeah, I think we both made the comment of she's one either gained weight or two. Yes, she looks pregnant, but this also explains why she's been off of TV for you know it's going on probably a month and a half right. that she's not been on TV. So that makes sense. But congratulations to Sammy Guevara and to Ty uh, on their announcement for their baby. You know, we wish them nothing but the best. Sure. And that was a good way to start Sammy coming out for the match. Then I also said after they made that announcement, that means he will not be winning the title. Oh, yeah. So, that, was the, that was the nail in his coffin. <laughs> I, there was just no way. There was just no way. I said before, and I will die on this hill, I love Maxwell Jacob Freeman. I think he is the great heel for any company right now. And him coming out on the throne with the devil mask that he had on when he returned back to the company after his hiatus in winning the Casino Battle Royale and getting the chip to be able to be the uh, World Heavyweight Champion. I thought that was a great little thing for him because he knows that he's better than you. And he wants everybody to know it. And plus, it was a little bit of a shade to um, Paul Avec's character in WWE for Triple H coming down on the throne. I thought that was kind of a cute little um, onesie thing. Uh, I, I I think it was risky. I honestly think doing stuff like that is a little risky because, I mean, even going to the media scrum after Double or Nothing last night, uh, MJF makes the comment uh, with Tony sitting right next to him that uh, does Nick Khan and uh, Triple H want me working in their company? Yes, they do. But, you know, he said, when I say pick up my ball and go home, you know, what he's meaning is just hang it all up. So he knows that he's got interest from WWE as well as Tony wanting to keep him in the company. So kind of shading the other company that's in it, that's interested in you by like shading their head of creative, probably not a smart idea. Well, to be fair, Cody did that in his, in the very first pay-per-view of Devil or Nothing when AEW started by slamming with Sledgehammer into the throne. And now you see where he's currently at. Yeah, um, and, we, and we see how this has worked out for him. He's having a blast. <laughs> um, he, I think Max doing, well, even in the media scrum, I my favorite thing about the media scrum was him saying, earmuffs, Tony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because Tony Khan doesn't like it when we mention he who must not be named on the other brand. Uh, so you go into the match. I said this a long time ago, that Max is going to sit on the sidelines and do as little as possible going through the whole entire match and watching three athletic individuals and Max wrestle and seeing them do all the kickups and doing all these high flyer maneuvers and drop kicks and full body sends. And it was a typical, typical Darby Allen match, typical Sammy Guevara match, typical jungle boy match. It's not a typical MGF match because MGF doesn't wrestle like that. MGF wrestles like Ric Flair used to a lot of, yep. a lot of show dazzling, a lot of, wheeling and dealing and getting out with and with and you did call your shot with how how that match played out but what i will say is the three of the pillars ganging up on mjf at the very beginning to start the match was absolutely beautiful it was very well done and then them kind of going at each other um but you know having them 
showcase why they are the pillars of the company was is just putting feathers in their cap for later on down the road when we finally do get the title off of MJF to show them that they can be the champions. Why do you say and, like it's going to happen? Because it's going to be what's best for business later on. It's not going to happen anytime soon, but it's going to be what's so. best for business later on. At least it's what I'm hoping. That's your opinion. That's not that, that is That is what my opinion, yes. Yeah, no, no. On on GQ, a wrestling podcast, we don't we don't state opinions. We state our facts. <laughs> and facts are is that Maxwell Jacob Freeman will keep this title for a very long time. Opinions now, are facts with feelings. Will will he have it <laughs> as long as the tribal chief? Probably not. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> because that's a thousand plus days of Maxwell holding the title captive. And I don't think they're, I, his, his contract ends next year. I don't see him holding it that long. I don't see him doing a, a CM Punk uh, via 2000 and in, in, 2000, whatever. I believe it's 2008, but, or no, sorry, eight, my bad, 2012. Holy heavens. Anyway, <laughs> um, I don't see him doing the win my title and run kind of a thing. I think he'll end up dropping it too, but that's just way down the road. Uh, it was a good match. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a fun match. I thought it should have ended the night because it is, it's, it's the premier title. Um, I really thought it was funny when you had Max trying to run away while he was in a walls of Jericho and he, you hold the bottom rope and the referee goes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a fatal four way. It doesn't matter. You can't kick. You can't, there's no, there's no, there's no count outs. There's no ring adjustments or nothing. You had to win. And then you had Darby throw in a box. And you're like, Oh no, Oh no, this is not great. This is not great. This is not great. And then they turn it back around and everybody else goes into pinning things. Then it turns into this. I pin you, you pin me, I pin you, you pin me. Then they go into the, the four way. uh, Submission. And (laughs) that that was just like, no one's going to tap because all their hands are preoccupied. It's like having your hand in a puppet. You're not going to be able to get it out. You're having a lot of talking still to do. (laughs) So you had all that. And then I called it. I have the receipts again on the texts. I said, everybody's going to hit their finishing maneuvers. Max is going to throw somebody out and boom, wins the title. And Maxwell Jacob Freeman is and still the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Because he's better than you and you know it. All, all I'm hoping is while the title is still on him, that this does not turn into what is currently going on in the WWE right now with the main titles not being defended. Cause that's what it's felt like for, you know, the, since Max has had the title is the title's not getting defended on a regular basis. And that's what needs to happen for that big of a title to keep the draw for the company. Well, I so. think what they've done with Max though, is that they've kept him on TV. Unlike, you know, WWE with Roman, Roman's mm-hmm. not on TV a ton. Max is still on TV every single week, or at least every other week, showing the title off still and still creating storylines. Now, True. I think, and no one will like this, but I think June 17th, I think Maxwell will be in a ring and somebody else comes back that nobody wants back in the company. 
and there's mm. going to be a title opportunity for somebody else. And potentially might be another storyline with Phil Brooks because he technically never lost the title. Um, I all I all I you're laughing because you know my opinion on this. Everybody hates him so much. All I will say is I don't like it. I don't want it. He doesn't need to come back. He needs to stay away. However, what I will also say is that is also going to depend on what happened with MJF after the match because he showed up to the media scrum with it was his arm, wasn't it? His arm was in a in a sling. Yeah, because in the match when he did a he did a what he was on the second rope and did a a, a power bomb and the way he landed was on his left forearm and he grabbed it instantly and screamed in agonizing pain and but he obviously still finished the match but yes it was his arm I'm pretty sure he has he has what two weeks three weeks to heal before June 17th. I'm just saying. Yeah, all, all I'm saying is let's hope that it wasn't a, you know, fracture injury because that'll mess up storylines if that's the case that this person does come back at, on the 17th. Why won't you say his uh, name? Because he is Voldemort and I refuse. <laughs> no, no, you can say his name. It's okay. It's not, it's not like Beetlejuice where you have to say his name three times and he just appears. Uh, if CM Punk does end up coming back on the 17th, because we are going to be in Chicago uh, for the start of Collision, um, and MJF is, you know, dealing with a broken arm, that takes minimum of six to eight weeks to heal. So it's going to mess storylines if that that was the case going into it. So we'll just have to play it by ear and see uh, coming up on Dynamite this week to see what's going on. Or you like WWE and make your wrestler wrestle with a broken arm. Yeah, and and just give him a titanium exocast yeah, uh, to, to use. But you're yeah. going to get into that with Garrett with, with Night of Champions. That's, yeah, not a big deal whatsoever. <laughs> um, and then you end the night. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to segue into this. Carry on, my way, we're done. Don't get me wrong. It was great to see the elite with Young Bucks and Hangman. But, and then you had Blackpool Combat Club come out to a live rendition. Oh, of, it was so bad. Uh, of Wild Thing. And Wild Thing is that whoever was singing it, it wasn't the people who sing it, it wasn't no, the people who sings it. And don't get me wrong, the 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 front man for whatever band they had, rocking the biggest blackface I've ever seen in my life, um, that happened. Uh, you start the match off with the elite in the ring, and you're looking up at Blackpool Combat Club coming down the ramp, like down the stairs, like they always do. But then the elite run after them, and then it becomes what I think looks like a toddler holding a phone on FaceTime, going. Ah! everywhere running around <laughs> running around running around camera 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 someone's over here someone's over there someone's over here someone's over there. all in the midst that uh that that the song from the live band is still playing oh that was agonizing it was uh. the whole 
I people, the match was an hour long. And it felt like it. <laughs> it felt like an hour. And it was the just imagine hearing Wild Thing on repeat by a drunk indie band at a really bad bar singing it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And the only reason why it stopped, thank you to Matt and Nick Jackson for super kicking this man in the face. That the oh, that was delightful. Done. And then it stopped. But then it got awkward because then it was quiet and no one was talking because the match took forever. It, forever! It, it did. And I'm, I'm looking up who the band was that played. I don't even want uh, to give them credit. It was horrible. Don't even give them no, credit. It was terrible. It was terrible. Um, but before I get into anything with the, with the match, I will say whoever does costuming for for the wrestlers for the elite specifically was just well done 100 percent because you've got kenny omega coming out clearly with a captain america inspired ah, captain, um, canada. captain canada technically because it did have the maple leaf on it but captain america inspired ring gear and then you've got hangman that's coming out with the eye patch already dressed all in black giving very much nick fury um, and I was wrong with what I said last night. It wasn't Iron Man that the um, Young Bucks were going for. It's uh, homage to uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Mm. So still part of Marvel, but not the not the character that I was thinking. But them coming out that way, it was just the ring gear was completely on point. But yeah, it was very, th- that match was very much of uh, 9 million cockroaches going everywhere and you can't see everything that's going on at once, which makes it very hard to follow. Now, um, if, you're in, but if we... you're in the arena, I can only imagine following it. We were on T watching just on TV. I would have loved if they did for a production value a four split camera on the television. So you oh, that would have been so good. Running around, that would have been nice mm-hmm. and aesthetically pleasing. But no, it looked like drunk toddlers running around trying to find people. Um, and that's the other thing. If they did four like still cams. That would have been better than them glimpsing at the hard camera shot and just showing no people there. Just blank seats. Yeah, well, and I think they haven't announced, they haven't publicly announced the numbers, but T-Mobile Arena is a very big arena. They sold it out the previous night for the Las Vegas uh, uh, hockey team for their Stanley Cup run to go win. And that was completely sold out. And then you Mm -hmm. have... Uh, then you have uh, double or nothing, and I, I would say it was sixty percent, seventy percent full. It wasn't. It wasn't sold out like it has been in the past, and that also has been talked about in other groups that there was no good buildup for double or nothing on a lot of storylines. They kind of seemed like it was kind of thrown together at the last minute. Yeah, but- I think that in in pre-show they did say I think it was somewhere around the eleven thousand person mark. For how many people were there? But um, I don't. They haven't officially come out with the end numbers yet. That's eleven thousand people in an arena. I believe that seats twenty five. And I could be wrong. I'll have to look that up. But it it was. It seemed. It seemed dead, especially during that match too. Um, When you're talking about Captain Canada, he looked like Captain (laughs) America uh, at one point when he was swinging the trash can lid. 
Oh, that was my favorite part of that match because I'm like, yes, yes, we need the Captain America homage. Give it to me. Then you, <laughs> had, then you had one of the um, one of the part of the young bucks out in the middle of the parking lot with Claudio getting what seemed to sound like one of the worst pile drivers I've ever heard in my life in the back of a pickup truck. Oh, that that just it looked painful. Like just him getting thrown into the pickup truck bed just looked painful in itself. I can't I can't imagine that. Well, it, but then but then him him getting back up, hobbling back into the ring, and we see one of the best spots oh my in God. that match. And, and, and so if you didn't see him running down the ring, obviously he's hobbling because oh no, my knee. But if you look hard enough at his foot, you see there's something on the bottom of his foot. I didn't even catch that. I did because I'm like, why is he limp? <laughs> well, because he didn't get hurt by his leg in the truck. He didn't get hurt at all. Why is he limping? Mm-hmm. It didn't make any sense. I'm like, why is he limping? I'm like, what's on the bottom of his foot? This man, I believe it was Matt. Matt Jackson. Yeah, it was Matt. Goes in for a super kick to John Moxley's face and a massive explosion from his foot into his face shoots this beautiful glowing like it looked like a firework going off in his face it was magnificent i oh my gosh the pop you got from the crowd well even, with that spot was awesome even taz shivani and excalibur <laughs> were like my god we're not. it was they, they were all like it's it was it looked like chris jericho being a wizard again it was hilarious. <laughs> um i thought the whole match was dumb it was the dumbest match of the night. And it was there was a lot of dumb matches. That was stupid. We, we need to talk about the one thing that we both started cringing on in text. Boy. And that was the thumbtacks getting brought out and the sock and the shoe coming off of oh. Matt Jackson. Well, so I, I went up to go to the bathroom because, remember, it was an hour-long melee of stupidity. And you sent a text going, why is he taking off his shoe and sock? And I go, huh come back from the bathroom and i watch him and oh there's there's thumb there's thumb t-! and it was thumbtacks in his they threw him oh. down so hard that it looked like about 20 or 30 thumbtacks in his foot and you've ever, if you ever had a thumbtack just even graze your skin it just hurts anyway and then you have normal guys like you know mick foley or john moxley take these thumbtack spots on the back i'm like okay Totally makes sense, too. I saw Edge at one point take thumbtacks to the forearm. I've seen it in the face of John Cena. I've never seen it in the exposed heel Mm. before. I've never seen it where you're going to have to walk, and it's you're literally turned into a pincushion. I mean, he he is no longer a pretty girl that can walk like this with all the thumbtacks in his shoe. No, that, it, <laughs> ow, it just ow. And then a little bit later on, we see Nick Jackson get thrown face down into the thumbtacks. Well, remember, he and, also got fed thumbtacks too. And he got fed thumbtacks and then got su- them super kicked out of his mouth. I just, oh, just the thumb, the thumbtacks got me at the end of the ma- at, towards the end of that match. Just, yeah. It, it was, it was at a point though that you're watching somebody on life support. And you're going, is it time to pull the plug? Like, is it time? And everybody in the arena was like, it's time. I think we definitely had some texts going back and forth going, oh, goodness, just end it. it Like, it needs to die. And finally, 
with the the ending of weird endings you have uh Takeshita coming out of the crowd with Don and Kaos in the ring and Takeshita surprises everybody and chooses the Blackpool Combat Club instead of the elite and ch- turning sides on on Kenny it was I thought it was a bad ending to a really bad pay-per-view mm-hmm. um I think it could have been a whole lot better. I wish it was a whole lot better, but it ended up being a whole lot of not. So, but you um, also you also made a very great point that it, this pay per view kind of felt very thrown together. Yeah. So maybe that's why. Because I agree with you, this pay per view had it had the potential with the match card to be a great pay per view, just very poorly executed. Hmm. You're so not wrong. So that's double or nothing, you know, in the ways of a guy that we don't try to mention on our podcast, but Garrett mentioned to it last week, uh, Dave Meltzer would have, <gasps> you said name. Voldemort's name. <laughs> Garrett mentioned his name last week. So I want to mention it again. Um, he would have given this whole pay-per-view just, a, it would just bad. Now I'm not mm-hmm. going to look at the Meltzer report, but my opinion out of five stars the whole entire night, it was probably a, a two and a half or 2.75. It wasn't great. It was, yeah, it was, it was a C level pay-per-view. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree with that. I would lean more towards maybe a 2.25 to 2.5. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go anywhere above a 2.5. It there's, there was so much that, could have been done for this pay-per-view to make it great. Like you had one person that came back. There was so much opportunity in the blackjack match for returns or for new talent or stuff like that. And they just kind of wasted it. Yeah. Overall, I really wish I didn't waste my money on that pay-per-view, but mm-hmm. can't take that back is what it is. Um, yeah, I'm very happy that you and I got to watch it and listen to it together and text back and forth and giving your opinion on it. So I appreciate you coming on and doing GQ Wrestling Podcast and just overall experiencing what is Double or Nothing AEW. Hopefully they have a little bit of a downfall for Dynamite this past week. Sorry, this past week, Lord. This next week coming up and being on the road to Forbidden Door coming up. So... Yeah, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Maybe in the future we'll have a a little bit more of another view of life. So thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.